The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the thir- and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with him who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is God's word. Let us pray. Dear Lord, um, we just thank you for today, just another beautiful day to be alive and to have breath. Um, We're glad that we can gather together as um, a family, as a body of Christ, um, to celebrate what you did for us on the cross and how that um, it didn't just end in the grave, but, um, you know, it was finished when you said it was on the cross and then you rose. So I pray that today you prepare our minds and prepare our hearts, Mm -hmm. that we're able to hear what what you are speaking through Randall to us, God. Um, May we know that um, you love us, and may we feel joy and peace of the truth that we are saved by grace and that we are your beloved children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Byron. Good morning. Happy Easter. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Well, if this is your first time here, my name is Randall, and I'm the lead pastor. And I uh, just want to welcome you this morning. You know, today our text is going to be from Luke 24, 1 through 12. And the message is, He is risen. And this morning, um, as uh, I was thinking about, you know, what, what we were going to talk about and, and hanging out with my son, you know, this morning at Starbucks, um, he was very excited because uh, today he's going to be baptized. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about baptism is that it's not just getting wet, but it's, it's a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what that means is that This death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus isn't just meant to be informational, something that we know, but it's meant to be experiential, something we experience personally. And so my son is able to personally experience what Jesus has done for him. You see, he believes that Jesus is his Lord and Savior. And that's something that we've taught our kids from the beginning. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my parents allowed me to explore and just see, you know, what's the truth? And so I landed on, okay, I... Jesus is it. And uh, so we're teaching our kids about Jesus. And uh, my daughter, Ava, she's three. She came up to me this past week. She said, Daddy, can I read you this book? I said, yeah. And I said, this is amazing because she can't even read yet. So yeah, you can, you can read me this book. Yeah, let's do this. And uh, she she's, sits me down and she said, Daddy, I want to read you this book. It's called What is Easter? And she's looking at the pictures. And one of the pictures uh, says, you know, it's not about the bunny. And it shows this bunny. She says, it's not about the bunny. And then she goes and she says, it's, it's, it's not about the eggs. And then she says, it's not about the chocolate. And it shows a little kid eating the Easter bunny chocolate, you know, eating the ear off. And, but it's about eating the ear, you know, right? No, but she says, it's about God. And she just said, it's about God, but she like screamed. She's like, it's about God. 
And today as a church, I just want you to know that everything that we say, what we're doing, why we're here, this is about God. It's about him. It's about what he has done for us. And so we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today, and we celebrate that God has done it. And in this text, we're going to explore what he's done, what he's done. Um, and so as we start, we've got to ask two very important questions. Uh, the first one is this, is it true? Is it true? Did Jesus a man who lived 2,000 years ago, bodily resurrect from the dead. Not revive and then die again, but bodily resurrect, live forever. Did that happen? And two, if that's true, what does it mean? What does that mean for us today? See, I don't have to go into, or I don't have time to go into all the reasoning behind the truth of the resurrection. And and if you want to explore, I can point you in some directions that will be very helpful resources. But I want us to think on this. The resurrection is very important because the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says this. He he says that Christianity either rises or falls on Jesus' resurrection. That's how important this is. It either rises or falls on Jesus' resurrection. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised then our preaching, what I'm doing right now, is in vain. And your faith is in vain. He says in verse 19, if in Christ we have hope only, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. This is important. Did Jesus raise from the dead? Thomas Arnold, a professor of modern history at Oxford, said, no one fact in the history of mankind is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort than the fact that Christ died and rose from the dead. Gary Habermas, a noted resurrection expert, states that about 75% of critical scholars, skeptic and non-skeptic, accept the historicity of the empty tomb. Now, if you're coming and today you're skeptical about the resurrection, I just want you to know that's where we all start. And I want you to know that these thoughts that I just stated from Arnold and Habermas won't radically change your mind instantaneously. But I hope it's a start. And I ask you to thoughtfully examine the evidence that we're going to go through this morning. And I just want you to know this, that Grace City Church is a safe place to explore, to ask questions to learn more about Jesus and what he's done for us. You see, I want to spend a bulk of my time today on the second question. And it's this. If Jesus rose from the dead, as these scholars claim and many other scholars do, then what does it mean? What does that mean? Let me sum it up. It means that there's a real possibility for you today to have hope to have hope. You see, the longer I live, the more I realize we all need hope. And I have this very unique perspective of being a pastor, and I walk people through some of the most tragic things that they have going on in their lives. Death. I've done funerals. Even as a young pastor, I know in those moments, we all need hope. 
Uh, last December, I went with my son to go see the movie Rogue One. It's a, a Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, it's kind of a tradition now since the new ones have started coming out that me and my son will go together to go see the movie. Um, and during the film, there's a really intense scene uh, where it seems very hopeless and they're walking through a scenario and the heroine of the film, Jen, is standing there listening to all of these people around her as they're talking about how there's just such doom and gloom and, and, and there's this phrase that just comes out of her mouth that really resounds throughout the, the film. It's this, rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. See, as we read this text today, there is a rebellion going on, but it's the rebellion of the, the greatest sense. It's that Jesus' resurrection is rebelling against death and saying there's hope. Because as we've stood by the gravesides of people that we love, haven't we hoped that there could be something more? See, what we see after Jesus' resurrection is a real hope. Jesus was not just crucified, but he was resurrected. See, in this world, all of us have seen illnesses, financial crises, stress, anxiety, depression, death. Many times, and I'm putting myself included in this, we are just fighting to keep our heads above water in the battles, aren't we? Just fighting, striving to keep our heads above water. In 2009, there was an Associated Press poll that said four out of 10 college students are depressed and hopeless. Grades, student loans, relationships, work. In 2015, CBS News reported that 10 million U.S. adults considered suicide and that those statistics are on the rise. We have to ask today, is this real? Did this happen? Could there be more? You see, could it be that 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead and offers us a better life, an eternal one? See, wherever you're at on the spectrum today, the only hope I can offer you is this, that he is risen. He is risen. Leading up to Jesus' resurrection, all hope seemed to be lost. Jesus was betrayed. His followers were scattered. Jesus was brutally crucified like a criminal. His last cries from the cross were agonizing. Everything seemed hopeless. Luke 23, 44, a little bit earlier before this text that we read today, uh, really paints the picture. It says, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land. This gives us a picture of the spiritual, not just the physical, but the spiritual landscape as Jesus is hanging on the cross. This whole world wept. Utter darkness. But Isaiah 60 verse 20 predicted this and, and actually tells us What's next? It says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. 
darkness, hopelessness, leading to hope everlasting. And so our text today is Luke 24, 1 through 12. And we're going to break this text down together, and I'm going to give you um, all three points up front. Um, But here's the question. What type of hope does Jesus' resurrection offer us? What type of hope does Jesus' resurrection offer us? And it offers us three hopes. First, it's an unexpected hope. Second, it's a restorative hope. And third, it's a transforming hope. An unexpected hope, a restorative hope, a transforming hope. And so our first point, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 in unexpected hope. Um, Here's what it says in in verses 1 through 4. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And so look at verse 1. Here's what it says. It says that they went. They went where? To the tomb. What they were expecting that day was really what they saw on Friday and the consequences of of the death of Jesus, right? What we celebrate is Good Friday. We say Jesus' death. They were there. They visually saw it. They experienced it. And with all of that emotion, these faithful women of God came to the tomb, taking spices, expecting a dead body. See, what they were doing is they were ready to complete Jesus' burial. They were ready to complete it and say, it's over. But verse 2 says they found What did they find? The stone rolled away. See, what they expected to find and what they ended up finding were two different things. They expected to find a dead Jesus and they found an empty tomb. See, for many of us in our lives, that's how we operate, isn't it? We go, and many of us go to those same places which we know are going to bring death, negative. We keep going back to that place, and what we usually find is death, and we say, okay, this isn't where I need to be, and we keep coming back thinking that's going to be our hope again and again and again, but it's not. But Jesus is saying, you can come somewhere else. You can come to my tomb and find something you weren't expecting, life life. See, today you might have come in this morning thinking I'm just going to a church service. But my hope and my prayer is that you come out finding life. That there is hope. That Jesus is enough. Because that's what these ladies find. See, verse 4, it's kind of funny because what it says next is that they were perplexed. They were perplexed. Now, the the original Greek word for this... um, could also be translated that they, they didn't know where to turn. They were without resources. They, did, they didn't know what was happening. They were perplexed. I just want you to know today that that's where Jesus meets us. 
He meets us in those moments where we don't have the resources, we don't know where to turn, and we say, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm coming, just expecting that it's done. Second Corinthians 4.8 uses the same word, perplexed. It says this, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Do you see what's happening here? As they were perplexed, as they were coming to the tomb of Jesus, that they would not be driven to despair. That there would be a hope that they weren't expecting because they themselves were at the end of themselves. See, they didn't have an answer. They were confused. But then we get these beautiful words that just fly off the page. It says, behold, behold, look, see, experience. It says that there were two men, angels, dressed in brightness, dressed brilliantly, and they asked them a question that they needed more than anything. In this unexpected scenario, with this unexpected question, leads them to, my second point, a restorative hope. So an unexpected hope, a restorative hope. Look at verses five through seven. It says, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while, you, uh, while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? See, as they came to the tomb deflated, what they needed was a question. See, it, it was the question that would restore hope. Why do you look for the living among the dead? About this question, Timothy Keller says, it was a counseling question. It was a rhetorical question. It wasn't looking for information. It was trying to push them. It was trying to show them their error. It was trying to show them they were disoriented to who Jesus really was and what he really came to do. It was almost a rebuke, but it was a glorious rebuke. It was joyful, it was loving, it was therapeutic, it was out to heal. See, do you need this question today? The question that, that all of us need to ask, like why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here? There's something more to life? See, what Jesus' friends needed more than anything was a, to restore hope. that they had lost as they saw their Savior dying. And what they needed was someone from the outside to explain it to them. You see, they couldn't figure out what was happening. They, they needed these angels to come and explain to them and interpret the scene of what God was doing. See, God sent these angels to tell them the gospel, the good news. 
See, what they said was that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Just want you to know that the story that you need more than any other story and the question you need to be asked is this question. It is the story of Jesus into your life. It is the personal experience for him to come into your life to say, yes, it's true. Jesus rose from the dead and he is enough. There is resurrection. See, the story is not over. As these two men interpreted the scene, their hope began to rise. See, hope rises. And hope is rising in their hearts as they see that Jesus is not there. And what happens next is this. Number three, a a transformative hope, a transforming hope. Look at verses 10 through 12. Now as Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary and the mother of James and the other woman, or other women, with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. See, Jesus takes the least likely and puts the gospel in their hands. During this time, Jesus chose these women to be the first representatives of the gospel. And he says, I want you to go to these guys and tell them what happened. Today, you feel like you're unlikely. You feel like you're here um, and and you you wouldn't have ever expected yourself to be in a church or ever expect Jesus to come into your life. I just want you to know that you're in good company. You're in good company. See, it's the least likely that God comes into our lives and says, here's the gospel. It's for you. I want you to take it to the world and go tell other people. It's a transforming hope. See, and the people that the message was delivered to were the apostles, and they couldn't believe it. Think about this for a minute. They had walked with Jesus for three years. They had seen the miracles of Jesus. They didn't understand what Jesus was there for. Do you have moments where you don't understand what Jesus is here for in our lives, right? Like, you think, well, I, I should really understand this right now. I should get this by now. I just want you to know that there's no type of person like that. We all need someone from the outside. We all need God to come in and say, hey, this is why I really came. It's God interpreting to us who Jesus really is. But you see who got up? It says that Peter got up. He got out to look. He got, he got out to check it out. And, and here's what it says. It says that he rose. He ran. He saw. He marveled. So you're telling me Peter, the guy who just betrayed Jesus, three times, He was ready to say, Jesus, I'll go die for you. I love you. That Peter. 
who denied Jesus gets up, runs, and marvels and says, could it be true? Why did Peter get up and go? The possibility of a transforming love. The possibility that it could be true. The possibility that everything could change. Uh, one of my favorite movies uh, that me and my wife watch every holiday is this movie called The Family Man. And it's one of Nicolas Cage's few good movies. Uh, but we, we really enjoy it, you know? He's like, I thought he was great in it. And um, so in this movie, uh, it's, it's about possibilities. And there's a scene at the beginning of the movie. It starts, he's standing there with a girl who was his girlfriend. They loved each other very much. And he was about to leave to go uh, for an internship uh, that could lead to a lot of different doors opening for him. It was work. And he said, I, I, I'm going to go do this thing. And his girlfriend at the time says, why don't we scrap the plan? I know you're going on this inter. I know you're going there, and I know it could be great, but what if we just scrap the plan? What if we, you know, just chose love? And he looks her in the eye, and you really don't know what happens next until you see the next scene. He's alone. He's got wealth. He's got everything you could dream of, and he's alone. And he's spending the holiday alone. And then this guy, an angel, comes into his life and says, let me give you a possibility. Let me give you a, a potential possibility that what if you chose to stay? And so he goes to bed and the next morning he wakes up. He's got kids jumping on the bed. He's got a wife the girlfriend laying next to him and he's thrown into and thrust into this world that he never expected. He says, this isn't my life. But as he starts to live out this life, he finds love. He finds that it's real. He finds that it's the thing that he'd always dreamed of. What Peter was being thrust into was the reality that the love was real, that Jesus could be alive. Atheist scholar Gerd Ludemann said this. He says, it is historically certain that Peter and the other disciples had experiences after Jesus' death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. This is an atheist scholar who said Peter and the other disciples, they saw something that changed them, that transformed them. See, when 1 Corinthians 15 was written, 
It was written during the time when people could go and ask and see if it was true. The Apostle Paul writes down names. He says five, over 500 people have seen Jesus bodily resurrected. That's why a lot of the critical scholars say that Jesus must have rose from the dead. There must have been something that happened. It was one of the greatest apologetics for Jesus raising from the dead. See, those who experienced Jesus were never the same. They tangibly experienced forgiveness, grace, restoration. And I just want you to know that that same truth is true for you today. And so let me give you some takeaways as we wrap up today. The first one is this. Re-examine the evidence. I'm talking to you like personally, re-examine the evidence. Because maybe at some point in your life you've said, okay, I've heard about Jesus, but I really don't believe that. It sounds like an idle tale to me. And we dismiss it. We push it aside. We say, it's, it's, there, there's no way that that could be true. But I'm just asking you today, please do not dismiss this. There is evidence. And here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible doesn't say disengage from thinking. It says engage your mind in thinking. Think on this. What you'll find is that there were still people who doubted. There were still people who struggled. There were still people who were examining, examining, examining again and saying, could it be true? Recently on the Veritas Forum, there was an article written by Ian Hutchinson. He's a professor at MIT. And he said, could it be that a, a, a scientist could believe in the resurrection? Yes. See, it's for all of us. And if you think, well, I'm just one of those critical thinkers, I just want you to know that there are critical thinkers who believe in Jesus. And they love him. This is an invitation to all of us. See, if Jesus' closest followers had a hard time believing, just know that there will be struggles in your life to believe. But I just want you to know that God doesn't dismiss us. He doesn't dismiss us when we ask questions. He's a God who invites us to come to him. So re-examine the evidence. Second, allow the evidence to examine you. Allow the evidence to examine you. See, what was happening personally on this day as these women were coming and seeing that Jesus was alive, it was examining them as well. We was saying, well, I, I didn't have the faith. I didn't believe. I didn't know. See, Jesus initiates with really clueless people, right? We were just clueless. See, and, and what the story exposes, and what you'll find all through the Bible, is that people then and now were clueless. And we need God to initiate and to ask and to come in and to challenge. And what the story exposes is our weakness. It exposes our unbelief. And the gospel comes very close to hurting sinful people. 
It comes close. See, in our weakness and in our questions and in our doubts is where the gospel starts. And in those places is where resurrection happens. It's, it, this is where it happens in this phrase, I can't do it. I'm at the end of my robe. I, ca- I can't do it. And as we hand it over to God, what happens is there's resurrection life that starts to pop up. See, there's this phrase. Um, guys use it. You know, it's the, it's the phrase. It's giving me the feels. I, I don't know about it. I'm just starting to get the feels, man. I'm starting to get the feels. See, what, what we do a lot of the time is, you know, when, when things get this close, we like to joke it off, don't we? We like to say, well... Let's not really think on that. I feel too much. It's starting to make me feel something and it makes me uncomfortable. I just want you to know that that's what the gospel does. It examines us and it will make you feel uncomfortable. But as the light starts to shine into our lives, the transforming power of the resurrection happens. And the last takeaway I want you to walk away with is this. The story isn't over. The story isn't over. I mean, think about Peter. He was sitting there. He had to have thought the story's over. Even after the resurrection, what does he go back to do after he's done? We find him at the the end of John. He went back to fishing. Many scholars think that he went back to his trade. He said, there's no way that God could ever accept me back to do his work. So I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to fishing. And who's waiting for him on the shore but a resurrected Jesus Christ? He says, throw your nets on the other side. And he sees Jesus and he just swims towards him ferociously, not knowing, not knowing what was on the other side, but just knowing that Jesus was there and that Jesus called out to him. And he meets Jesus on the shore and Jesus asks him, he says, do you love me? He said, yeah, I love you. But what Peter's at this point, what, Peter, what got Peter through wasn't that how much he loved Jesus, but how much Jesus loved him. That's what got him through. He was able to see he didn't love Jesus as much as he thought he did. But the story wasn't over. And in 1 Peter 3.18, Peter writes this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That Peter said it was the righteous Jesus 
who was exchanged for the unrighteous, you and me, and said that he traded with us. He gave himself for us. He took on the penalty of sin, shame, guilt on himself. It says, anyone who will believe on me, trust in me, I'll give you new life. I'll give you hope. I'll give you an eternal hope that will last forever. Christ died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. And today he says, I'll trade places with you. The great exchange. It's the great exchange. Will you receive that today? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. We know, God, that it's not because we were righteous, it's not because we were good, it's not because we were more clued in than other people, and so we just got it. Lord, it was your work from the outside coming in to very clueless people like me. We sing, a wretch like me. You came and you died for us. You loved us. You gave your life for us. And now today, we, we have nothing to hold on to except for Jesus. Jesus. We thank you that today he is alive. That everything points to the truth of the gospel that he is risen. And we pray that today we will personally experience it in new and radical ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.